got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer. Hey, we got a uh, fun show today previewing KU Nevada. We're going to be talking plenty of KU football all throughout the show. We are going to have David Lawrence come on with us at 340. Uh, Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports going to talk some uh, sports betting lines for the weekend with us coming up at 430. We also have some Chiefs preview in addition to our KU Nevada talk on today's episode of the show. Tonight after RCST, we've got high school football. Uh, we got Lawrence High here on KLWN at 7. We got Free State over on 92.9 The Bowl at 7. You can also watch the Free State game on our video stream, which you can find at bowl929.com nope, or klwn.com. KLWN.com okay. is where the stream will be. And uh, Great Plains Media YouTube page, if you're looking for that. Was, you can even, if you have a smart TV, you can watch the game on your smart TV. Dude, that's, YouTube. that's pretty sweet, actually. Yeah, it is, right? Yeah, that's pretty so cool. So listen to uh, Nick and Craig on the call of that one. I'll be on the call with uh, Matt Llewellyn for the Lawrence High game later tonight. RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, and KU takes on Nevada tomorrow, a late game, 9.30 p.m. You can hear it here on KLWN with pregame starting at 8 o'clock. Um, you know, as, as we go through these different game previews, the rest of the season, it all is going to be very pertinent when I go over the scouting report and talk about this team does this good, or this team struggles in this. It's hard for me to put that together with Nevada because it's just like, oh, this is bad. And this is bad. And this is bad. Yeah. The scouting report for Nevada is that these boys stink. I mean, they stink. They think, Okay. I had, the, I had uh, somebody explain it to me this way when talking about Nevada earlier in the week. Think of the worst KU football team you can think of from the last okay. 10, from the last decade, okay? You got that in your mind? Yes. Now, eliminate, like, the 10 best athletes from that team. <laughs> Once you've done that, you have what Nevada is. I don't know if I go that far. That's what that's uh, I was going to There was a bad KU football <laughs> seasons, man. Um, need we revisit them? I don't want to. Yeah, so listen, this is a Nevada team that they were coached by Jan Ravel, and they've been to like five or six bowl games in a row. Like they had built up a pretty decent program. Before Norvell, they had Chris Alt, who was taking them to, you know, nine or ten win seasons. He had yeah, yeah. Great years in there, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and then Jay Norvell was there and, and did a pretty good job, and then I don't know if this is kind of the new era of college football and how it works is that when you have a coach who's established himself at a school and then he departs, it kind of just leaves the program totally gutted because that's basically what happened here is Norvell leaves Nevada and takes everything with him and Nevada is now left kind of with nothing at this point. So they're trying to rebuild. Last year they were really bad. Uh, I don't know. Did they, they want, did they win a game last year? Uh, yes, they, they did. Two and ten last. Well, they year? they do have the NCAA's worst losing streak right now. It is at uh, it's at twelve games at the moment. Okay. So they won either one or two last year. Yeah, not a good team. Yeah. So it's a team that is in a rebuild phase, right? And 
is a situation where, not to the extreme that K football was for over a decade, but a team that is at that level, right? We talked about how they are the they're number one in the bottom twenty five <laughs> of of the week from yep. CBS Sports. So, you know, this is a this is a team that, well, but when you're at that level, which KU fans obviously know what that feels like, there's only one way to go, and that's up, right? So. They really had nothing to lose, and the last time a Power Five opponent went to Nevada, they lost. I'm pretty sure a couple years ago. So yeah, you know, this, yeah. So it's it's not like KU hey, could just walk in blindfolded with one hand tied behind their back and easily win the game. Like sure. they will have to show up and play and play their game and play it effectively. But uh, yeah, this is a game that KU should win easily, even if they aren't necessarily having their A game against a Nevada team that will more than likely be overmatched. And at the skill positions, on the in the trenches, wherever wherever you look on the field, KU should have the better athletes and the better players. Yeah, so Nevada, not a great team. Offensively, they are a team that we've heard a lot from the coaches that they'll take their deep shots, that they'll hit a couple deep shots. Um, I'll be honest, like when, I, when we've talked to the coaches this week, and, and you're not as a coach is going to be, yeah, the other team sucks. Like, we're, we're going to kill if them. If I were like a coach, behind I would doors. say the other team sucks. I'd be like, that, those that boys doesn't stink. happen. It just it leads to bulletin board material. You don't want that to happen. No, yeah, you're right. No, I did that's think it was funny, though, whenever we would ask the coaches this week about, like, what do you see from Nevada? A lot of it was like, that you could tell they were trying to find positive things to say about it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, do you remember that one year when Bill Belichick, the Patriots were playing? I don't remember who they were playing, to be to, to be honest. But they were playing somebody who was really bad. It might have been like a Lions or Dolphins team that was 0-12 like or something. Okay. They were playing somebody horrendous. And they were like, so so what is good about this? And he just went on for like 15 minutes talking about their like punter. That's how I felt this week in talking to some of the coaches that like it was like, you know, we asked Lance Leipold about it and, and he got onto a diatribe about how, well, they're in a good location to recruit like California junior colleges. Yeah. That's not quite being like, <laughs> yeah, this is something they do well. That's just like saying something about the program. With, with Brian Borland, we heard him basically saying stuff about like, yeah, they'll they'll hit a deep shot and uh, they'll take some deep shots at you and they've hit like one of them the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's listen, like, they had know, a like, seventy-five yard touchdown against yeah, USC. They've hit like one a game the last two weeks, but that's just one a game. That's <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Like, they, but listen, if you hit one deep shot a game, that's not that big. bad. No, it is. It is for sure. I'm just saying, like, you can tell it's it's you're, you're trying to stress ways about like, well, how is this team good? Because you look at it offensively, they're playing two quarterbacks. Neither one has excelled. Um, they're running the ball. They're averaging 2.7 yards per carry. They do have a really good receiver. Uh, the, the Jamal uh, is a bell. Uh, kid who's really fast, really quick. He has 16 catches this year. Like, sure, that, that kid's good. But the offensive line has stunk so far. Uh, I think on Pro Football Focus, they have like a 41 pass block grade and like a 51 run block grade so far. So offense has not been good. Defensively, they are giving up, I, I will repeat this from earlier this week, 14 yards per pass insane. Caleb Williams last year won the Heisman averaging 9.1 yards per pass. They are giving up five so, more yards per pass than that. So if you play Nevada every week, you're, you will win the Heisman 1 million <laughs> votes to zero. Yes. Nobody, you, nobody else nobody will nobody. vote for anybody yes. else. If you average 14 yards per pass, I mean, unless you're like an, a triple option team where it's like, oh, we only threw the ball 40 times. So that's why we <laughs> averaged 14 yards per pass because every time it was like a touchdown. <laughs> No, it's like, oh my gosh, like that is such a ridiculous number. Like I've never seen a number that it, it's unbelievable. So they've struggled in that area. They did play um, USC though. So I don't know, maybe if sure. that, maybe if their pass yard number is inflated because they played USC, I don't know. No, I mean, but I mean that, that absolutely you know, they also lost by 30 to Idaho. Yes. So. It was 33 to, to 7 to Idaho. and The Idaho fighting Vandals. I mean, are, you, are they just the Vandals or are they fighting Vandals? I think they're just Vandals actually. Mm, Idaho Vandals, I think. Right? I think they're just the Vandals, yeah. Okay. 
not the fighting Vandals. Well, and again, Idaho, we've we've talked about this. They're like a playoff FCS team. They're two and zero. They're I know they're ranked twelfth last week. Um, I mean, you know, Idaho used to be an FBS. There's thirty three. They were an FBS team. They did, like, but they what, were not a very good FBS. Four years ago, <laughs> if you remember that. <laughs> no, I do remember that. Yeah, they were consistently one of the worst. Let's see. Idaho had. 313 passing yards on 21 attempts. So 15 okay. yards per attempt. Well, never mind that. <laughs> I guess uh, that's just how it is. That's just how it goes. So, yeah, man. Nevada got out-yarded by 200 yards by Idaho. Well, they lost 33-6. to six. What do you I expect? Know. It's just like it, it's hard for me to diagnose and be like, well, this is what they do, and this player is really good. And basically this what, all this comes know. down to one thing for me. It's just how do you handle it? Because if KU plays their A game, if KU plays their B game, you're winning this game going away. Maybe if you play your B-minus game, you're not covering, but you're still winning the game going away, right? No, it's games like this where your focus shifts from trying to you know, figure out what your opponent does well and try to stop them in those areas to just, you know what, if we just play our game, we're going to win. So just go out there and let's just execute yes. what we want to do, and the rest will take care of itself. Yes. Like, Kansas can play their C game. Now, I'm not imploring this. They can play their C game and still win by 17, 20 points. Like, that could absolutely happen, right? Potentially, yeah. No, you don't want that to happen. There are a lot of external factors that could force you to play worse than an A game. That could force you to maybe play that C game. Now, you don't want to play with fire. Obviously, if you play a mistake-riddled game and you have four turnovers and they have none, then maybe all of a sudden you you are sweating things out at the yeah. end. That, that well, would I mean, be the worst-case scenario. KU didn't win a road game for like 9,000 years. Right. Okay? So, I've talked about the idea of not wanting to write off a W for a conference road game. This game, it's a little different because of how bad Nevada is, but at the end of the day, it's still on the road. Right. It's still something that KU has not— from Kansas becoming a competent program. You absolutely are, right? Yes. Even though you've earned that trust in the Lance Leipold era, you still do have those past PTSD nightmares in your head about past games. So it's it's not me saying that, oh, this is just a guarantee, give me a win. I mean, it's as close as that as you can get. Um, It's just me saying if you don't mess things up yourself— like. The way that Kansas loses this game isn't by Nevada playing their A game. It's by Kansas playing their D game. Yeah. So well, it's, it's all internal. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about it. Nevada's in the same position that KU football was in for a lot of times where when KU would play another team, even if KU played their A game, that wasn't good enough. They needed a combination of them playing their A game plus their opponent playing like a D plus, yes. C minus game. And now, now the That's, shoes are on the other foot. Now it's flipped in this game, yeah. in this particular case. Nevada will have don't to play have their best game. You know? Yes, Nevada will have to play a really good game. Six turnovers. And KU will have to really screw things yes. up. Don't basically. block a field goal and then try to return it and fumble it, right? Like Don't do those that things was awesome, that we've the seen the, the opponents do against <laughs> KU. But there are a lot of those external factors that I talked about. I mean, one, you're going to be playing a late-night game. It's at 9.30, which yep. for the Nevada players, they're used to that being 7.30. Yep. You it's going to be a late game, which, I mean, these are college kids. They're used to staying up late and everything. But then again, like... Bro, even in college, I was in bed at like 10 o'clock. Yeah, like, I don't think I mean, it'll impact the first half. You're going to be so hyped up for the football game, it's not going to matter. Yeah. Where it could matter is maybe getting to halftime. At that point, maybe it's 11 o'clock, your, your body clock. Would you take a cat nap time. at nap time, at halftime? I guess it's possible. Get in the locker if room. You can get that right. Take a, take a little short nap, you know. Um, well, then you get in there, and then maybe you're sitting down in your locker room, and then maybe you start falling asleep. I mean, listen, I might, I might take a cat nap at halftime from my house. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, am I going to be able to stay up? And you for know, the whole I'm, game? listen, I'm going to have to drink some coffee. I am Red not. Bulls. I am not a nap guy. I'm I don't not normally either. nap. No. I don't think napping is necessarily the healthiest thing in the world for you know your body and for everything. You know, I try to maintain. Consistently getting, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep a night without having to deal with stuff during the day. 
So I don't know, you know, I was, one of my friends was like, oh, I'm going to take a nap, you know, in the afternoon. I was like, I don't want to do that. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I might, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. And you don't drink coffee either. I don't drink coffee either, no. So you're Pure just going to have to, you're going to have to rock it. Yeah. energy, baby. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll be fun. But yeah, I mean, for the players, maybe that becomes something that, that affects things in the second half. Um, you also have the altitude being a factor that, that maybe yeah. that could hurt some of your energy a little bit. You know, I think they're like 4,000. You know, honestly, above. I think at this stage, the altitude stuff is overblown. Okay. That's just my opinion. Okay. Uh, well, I disagree with that. I think it's probably a fa- I think it probably is a bit of a factor, but I think it's How often have you been impact. in altitude and like if if you have worked out in altitude, you would know that it has a real impact. <laughs> I've been in altitude. Okay. And I've done stuff. Not a workout, but Okay, well, I don't think you should stand on this one. I'm telling you, it does it does have a big impact. Uh, but uh, at what point will they get used to it is kind of the question. A lot of times you'll hear teams like go, they'll play the Denver Nuggets on the road, and they'll be like, the first 20 minutes killed me. It's brutal. You know? Um, other people will tell you that it kills you more at the end, that at first maybe you're not noticing it much, and then it just drags on a little more. Who knows if that'll have an effect in addition to uh, kind of the time and all this. And then it's just the, it's not overlooking things. As much as it's easy for you and me to say here sitting in the studio, that like Nevada stinks. Kansas should should destroy them and Nevada stinks, you would hope that's not what the players are saying. You would hope that's not what the coaches are saying. And, and I don't think they have. I mean, yeah, talking I mean, to all of them this week, they yeah. seem very measured. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any sort of complacency mm-hmm. from top to bottom, really. I, I, that's That was kind of what I came away with from Lance Leipold, Brian Borland, Andy Kolnicki, some of the players we talked to. Like, I don't think any of those. I don't think any of those guys are overlooking this game or no. or being complacent. About and they shouldn't. It. Yeah, we can. They shouldn't. Sure. Yes. Right. That, that's kind of the the discrepancy between our position and them. In addition to many other things. Uh, but you know, it's it's just the the don't overlook them. Don't overlook how they're zero two. Don't think that you can just walk in and just you know, uh, kind of saunter your way to an easy you know five touchdown win or something like that. You still do have to play the game and play it full force for those things to happen. Uh, the fact that Lance Leipold and his staff and, and this team, and they are player-led and they are such a, a process-driven team, does make me feel like this is the type of team that should be able to handle this type of situation and those travel logistics yeah. well. Yeah. Um, especially, too, because when I always look at like games where you're playing a lesser opponent, go back to the Missouri State game. Obviously, that game was close for a little longer than you would have wanted to. Um, they ended up covering the spread unless you got it at 32. And they won that one 48-17. And one of the things that happened in that game was you just you were able to just run the football in what you would call halfback dive, just normal plays, right, every time. And they were able to just rack up 250 rushing yards. Like I that, feel like you should right? do the same thing in this exactly. game. Exactly. Uh, Nevada, if you're looking at the pro football focus numbers, their two closest interior defensive tackles, one of them's ranked like 800 and something, and the other's like 850 something in terms of where they rank in their position. Among and out like, like 860. Out of like 870 yes, or whatever. On Pro Football Focus. So, yeah, so it's, you, know, yeah. you know what that equals? That equals HB dive every play. Yes. Nowitzki, Reed Adams, Baines, Ford, just road grade up the middle, <laughs> right? Like, like get that interior push. Daniel Highshaw, Devin Neal, big games up the middle. You should be able to protect your quarterback, Jalen Daniels, Jason Bean. Uh, we had the we had the mailbag question yesterday. Would you start Jason Bean in a game like this? Yeah, I wouldn't. No. You're still trying to. Yeah, I mean, kind of kick the rust off for Jalen Daniels. Get him ready for Big Twelve play. Now, if you're up twenty eight to nothing at halftime, then I'm all for putting Jason Bean in to start the second half at that point. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I would still be going with Jalen. Yeah, no. This, this is the game where, assuming Jalen is healthy, which we right. it's safe to assume that we haven't heard anything otherwise over the course of the week. 
you start him and he needs to play at least the first half and maybe even into the third quarter until you have a comfortable enough lead to where then you can, you know, give it off to Jason Mead. But that being said, you know, this is a good opportunity for some other guys maybe to get some real playing time and, and really show what they can do, right? Like, just beyond Jason Bean, you could look at Dylan McDuffie and Savion Morrison. You could look at Doug Emelian and Trevor Wilson. You could look at Tanaka Scott, maybe. I, I, I think he, he's, he's been dealing with an injury. Sort of injury yeah, yeah. Some sort of injury. So I don't know what his health status is, but, you know, guys like that, right? Or you, and you go to the defense. You look at somebody like, uh, you know, in the secondary, maybe it's a Jalen Dye, Jason Gilliam. You, I mean, you know, Demarius McGee, the transfer from LSU, who we haven't seen much of. Quentin Lasseter probably should have an opportunity to get more time. So there will be opportunities to be had, not just from the quarterback perspective, but across the board for KU here to get some of some of their, you know, guys lower on the depth chart a chance to get some serious playing time and, and rack up some of that experience. Yeah, and I think that's the cool part of a game like this. As long as you take care of business, as long as you handle yourself, you're going to create more opportunity for some of those backups, whether it is the guys like you mentioned for them to put up some stats or, you know, have a good game or to get some of the young guys maybe playing time later in the game that, that you can get them those reps and that game I mean, experience. I would, I would love to see Logan Brantley. Of course. course. Yeah, because you can redshirt a guy by still playing him four games. You'd yeah. love to see Logan Brantley. You'd love to see... I don't know, maybe some more of uh, uh, trying to think uh, Ballard, Cole Ballard at the the quarterback position, like late in the game, if oh. you're up by that much, right? Like yeah. maybe you could see a guy like Johnny Thompson because he's a true freshman going back, sort of homeish. Like I'd imagine because uh, he's from uh, Southern California, so like it's easier for his Wait, parents to get to this game. I thought isn't Reno more north though? Yes, Reno's north. It's still going to be a, a distance. It's still probably like an eight hour drive, but that is a lot closer than Jeez. for for the, his family than coming to Kansas, right? <laughs> Um, well, you know, planes there were invented. I know, so he can have a he can have a two hour plane ride as opposed to them having like a, four, a three and a half hour plane ride, right? Like yeah, that's it's, brutal. It's just, yeah, I've never flown to California, so I didn't realize it was that far. That's yeah, three and a half hours. Yeah, no, that's just depending where you're going in California, dude. If the flight is over an hour and a half, I'm like, what are we doing here? It's way too long. <laughs> so you can only fly to like Texas, Colorado, Chicago, maybe. <laughs> Like, it's not a do. you know I'm not a long plane guy. Okay. I like planes are fine. I'm comfortable with planes. I have no problem with fly, flying on a plane. But if if the flight is pushing two hours, I'm like, okay, dude, seriously, like, what do you dude? We're going 700 miles an hour. How does it take so long? <laughs> I don't even want to dignify that with an answer. Uh, Ku wins and covers if what, which for what it's worth, it is minus 28 right now on DraftKings. The over under is 58 and a half. I feel a lot better about 28 than 28 and a half, by the way. Because I think it was 28 and a half at one point earlier in the week. Uh, Yeah, KU wins and covers if they get off to a fast start and kind of put Nevada away early and don't let them get up and just kind of steamroll them, which I think is a real possibility. You know, uh, I mean, and even still, to kind of go back to your Missouri State comment from earlier, KU let Missouri State into the game in the second quarter, and they still ended up kind of you know, roll them in the second half, and then they ended up covering, like you said, for the most part. So even if KU doesn't get off to a fast start, they still might have a chance to to cover in a game like this. So if they just do that, if they just play their game, I mean, if you just do your thing, if you just run HB dive, and then you let Jalen Daniels do his thing, you know, you sh- you should be fine. I mean, this is a game where if you're the defense, you probably don't want to be giving up more than like 14 points because Nevada's been bad to terrible on offense, and so. This is one of those games where, to me, the post-game reaction can only be negative in the sense of 
if KU just dominates and you know it's forty-five to seven or fifty-six to seven or whatever, we'll come out and say, okay, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. But if there's problems, then that's when you get the negative reaction. You know, where if maybe you, if you do give up three or four touchdowns and the offense struggles a little bit, then it's like, okay, well, that's not good. So again, if you just go out and do your thing, play your game, defense, control line of scrimmage, continue to get pressure on the quarterback, which you've shown you can do through the first two games, uh, this you should be fine and be able to cover. By the way, for what it's worth, um, Sagarin ratings are something that they used as part of the like computer metrics back in the BCS formula. I, I don't know that it's a perfect metric, and in fact, it probably has some flaws to it. Like I, I prefer like an ESPN SP Plus or some of those other sites, but it, it does have uh, some value and, and is a nice reference tool. Uh, Nevada, because it includes FCS and FBS teams, all Division One teams. Nevada, for what it's worth is 145th there, if you include FCS teams. Missouri State was 165. And Nevada, according to this, would be about a three-point favorite over Missouri State. So you're talking about a team that just isn't really viewed as being that much better than Missouri State. Obviously, now you're going on the road. But I also think that Kansas is in a better rhythm than they were in that Missouri State early on, as long as you avoid those turnovers. Yeah, for me, it's Kansas will win and cover if they play a clean game. If yeah. you have one turnover or less, ideally zero, but if you just have the one, Which, I think you let's can think about this. They had what two turnovers against Illinois, the fumble and the interception. Yes, and against Missouri State, they had the fumble and that's it. That's it? Yeah, okay. So they have three so far. So it's yeah, clean. I would say one or less, preferably. Okay. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. David Lawrence joins us in about 15 minutes on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and joined now by David Lawrence. You'll be able to hear him on the Jayhawk Radio Network on Saturday. Pre-game going to start at 8 o'clock here on KLWN with kickoff at 9.30 for KU at Nevada in Reno. Uh, David, before we get to where we're going, how about where we've gotten? 2-0 start so far for KU, including that really impressive victory over Illinois a week ago. What have you been most encouraged by with the start to the season? It's great to be on with you, Derek. I, I think without a doubt, it's the defensive side of the ball. I, I mean, we've seen what uh, we can do offensively with Jalen Daniels, even though they're performing above that expectation. But defensively, we've taken not one but two notches up. and Albeit very early in the season, okay, very, very small percentage of the season gone, but uh, I'm very encouraged defensively improvement across the board on the defensive side. So what is it about the defense that has led to that improvement? Is it just more physical play? Is it guys that are bigger, adding more talent in there, just another year of experience where guys look more familiar with the system? Like if you had to put your, your finger on what exactly has led to the defense looking so much better, what would it be? Well, I would have to use about five fingers, <laughs> but, but let's start. Let's let's start out with a pointer going to just. It's kind of a cliche, but it's really happening with Gildersleeve, our strength and conditioning coordinator. I mean, we as a whole, and, and I'm I'm sure you know. Is it all a hundred? No, but a very high percentage, perhaps more than I've seen uh, it before. Uh, just everybody getting bigger, stronger, faster, you know, and, and being better individually. Uh, so that first and foremost there, uh, 
secondly, on the defensive side, you know, I think when you get a transfer in, you just hope that they're, you know, ideally if they could start, that would be awesome. But right now, J.B. Brown and Austin Booker are, are taking a couple of notches up. I mean, they, they are looking like stars, and to get that off the portal is, uh, is quite impressive. Um, and then the improvement that we are seeing in guys that have been around in the program that really take major leaps up. DJ Withers, who's going to be on our pregame guest, is, uh, I mean, he's a guy that's gained 55 pounds of solid muscle. And, you know, even though his stat line, you know, I mean, it's just, you can't tell anything about a defensive tackle with a stat line. Just told kid credit for, you know, taking on and taking blockers away from the second level for making penetration, forcing running backs to go a different direction. And he's been doing all of that. Uh, but, but he really jumps out. And then where stats do show up is Quentin Lasseter. I mean, this, this guy's for real. The, the two picks, I mean, it, uh, there's more to come right there. But how would you like to be uh, Melo Dodson and Kobe Bryant, who are having great years, and, and Melo's really taking a big leap up. But you think you can rest uh, in practice knowing that Quentin Lasseter is behind you? I mean, that's that competition is a great coach, and uh, we've got that going for us. Jeremy Robinson uh, and Hayden Hatcher, our defensive ends, are playing um, at an elite level, you know. And again, early sample size, uh, but I love where we're going, and it's just a mix of a lot of things going for the Kansas defense. Well, when you bring up Quentin Laster, I actually uh, talked about this with Matt Tate earlier this week, but but you might be a good judge here because we were struggling to come up with, I don't know, other names that would kind of go up here. When when you think of the first family, so to speak, of KU football, or maybe the most impactful all around family. I mean, it's it's hard to get better than the Lassiters with KU from uh, Dad, who was an unbelievable safety in the, the early 90s, to Kwame, who was the team's leading receiver a couple years ago, and now what Quinton's doing, uh, adding to the interceptions. Is, is there any other, like, family that comes to mind in terms of multiple guys that played at KU that you would throw out there as being, uh, you know, one of the best families of KU football players? Well, the Riggins brothers, <laughs> that goes back a few years. Uh, was it just John Riggins? It was Junior Riggins that came after him. Uh, so that name jumps up. I actually covered Kwame Lasseter back in the early 90s. And uh, outstanding young man. He's probably, well, all, all the Lasseters have been somewhat quiet, and that would certainly be uh, the way it was with the late dad. But it's been a privilege to cover all these guys. And what they all have in common is improve so much as they get older, even, you know, after they turn 21, a lot of times, you know, you'll see a, a kid peak, you know, in the second or third year, but not these guys. They're, they're just hitting their stride and mentally they're so sharp and use all the intangibles to make the most out of uh, their God-given ability. So to answer your question, uh, I'm sure I'll think of some later. Maybe I'll text you that. But uh, the, the Riggins brothers come to mind uh ray evans family there you go uh, one of the greatest all time all american in football and basketball ray evans senior and then his son was my teammate and uh you know he's a ellsworth medallion winner 
at Kansas, been on the committee to appoint multiple head coaches and athletics directors. So I give a big shout out to the Evans family, the Riggins family. Uh, John Hadel, his sister, ran the uh, football office for about 40 years, so literally has more seniority uh, than her late brother. Uh, so that's another family that jumps out to me. So we've, we've had a lot of them, but certainly the Lassiters are very special. Moving over to the offensive side of the ball, um, as, as much as you know, Jalen and Jason and Devin and, and all these guys have gotten a lot of love, how about the, the big guys up front? The offensive line has been outstanding so far to start the season. Uh, I, I know it's only been two weeks of the season. Is it going too far to say this is the best offensive line that Kansas has had since the Orange Bowl season? Mm. I, I know that uh, we flirted with one in the Turner-Gill era. We just didn't have the parts around them. So I wouldn't go that far yet, uh, but could be. Dominic Pooney's a superstar. I mean, he's a top-five player on this team. I mean, if you think about a 300-pound offensive lineman playing left tackle, and he pulls around and goes around the right side of the line and logs a defensive end inside. It'd be a lot easier to kick him out, but logging him inside, but that's what happened on one of uh, the long runs by Devin Neal. Uh, but, yeah, they've done a great job. We're getting, we're getting bigger, stronger, faster there, and we've got more depth. So that's, but it's hard to, you know, where are we not one of the league best at? I mean, certainly the receiver room, tight end room, quarterback room, and running back room. Um, you know, I, I don't want to load up ammunition for opponents, but uh, this offense is going to be difficult for people to stop. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when I – when I think of Dominic Pooney last year, I was I was all on on the hype train that that he was an all I don't know some sort of conference guard and, and to see the the transition that he's made out to tackle, I I don't know that it's it's something that people can appreciate how difficult that is uh, because to go from being an interior guy to to a tackle, I know it's still the same side and I know at the end of the day you're still blocking guys and and that's similar, but. Can you speak to, as someone who did play on the offensive line and was blocking people, how much more difficult is that playing left tackle where you are kind of on an island than playing on the interior? Great question and great observation, Derek. Uh, first of all, maybe the most difficult thing was coming over and adjusting to guard because he actually played tackle at Central Missouri State. And uh, now he's going back to a position he's somewhat familiar with, but you know, you're playing out there at tackle. You're taking on much better athletes in space. And so your footwork's got to be so sharp. Uh, it, it's not an easy transition. You're being taken out of the middle where you're you know, manning up on big nose guards to going out there with outside linebackers and defensive ends and, you know, making sure your leverage is good, your footwork's good. Uh, but just that first step they have is so quick, and that's why um, the offensive tackles for Illinois were called in the backfield because they needed to slide back to block Booker and Robinson off of the edge. And Booney's a guy that doesn't have to do that. So uh, he's having a tremendous start to the season, and he's got a lot of other guys up front that are also off to a great start. 
Well, kind of staying on the same topic, when, when you think of players that are maybe, uh, I don't know, flying under the radar a bit early in the season, maybe they're not as flashy, they're not getting as much love early this year. Obviously, you mentioned Dominic Pooney is a top-five player on the team. Are there any other players, offense, defense, special teams, who you think might be being a little undersold right now and how impactful and, and how good they've been so far to start this year? Well, here's a name, but if you're listening to the broadcast, his name a lot. I've been raving about him. But Doug Million has been walking like a million dollars out on the edge. He's, <laughs> and that's why he's getting more and more reps. And how about those gophers that have transferred over? Uh, they're doing a great job. I talked earlier about Booker and Gage Keys, but the Million's been here a while, but and he's always prided himself in his walking, but getting more reps and he is really showing up, doing a, a tremendous job. Uh, I'll throw out another name on the other side of the ball. I mean, Marvin Grant started every game for Purdue two years ago, and last year he had some big plays, uh, maybe the biggest play in uh, our both to get the ball back. But uh, Marvin Grant is having a, a, a great season. So it's great to see people that, for whatever reason, maybe – didn't stand out as much last year because we, we don't know, you know, their health, you know, and, and where they're at, uh, but but uh, they're, they're having much better seasons. And so, you know, and this is something everyone wants to be a part of. Obviously, we, we, we remember the teams in the last 14 years before last year. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people just want – to be there to be a part of the team because it's football it's their team their brothers but let, let's let's face it when things when the stands are full and the lights are on it, it's it's a lot easier to, to you know you you want to be there you want to make sure that you're not breaking curfew you're not uh, missing practices being late whatever requirements are to miss time you, you want to be out there so uh, everything's going well, but this season's so long, and and uh, you know after Saturday's game, it's it's just going to get tougher and tougher. So attrition and injuries and adversity. Uh, these guys are not robots. I mean, they're human. Uh, so you know we got to overcome whatever challenges we face along the way. Okay, who takes on Nevada on Saturday. You can hear David as part of the broadcast with the Jayhawk Radio Network, and that can be heard here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS, 9.30, pregame starting at 8 o'clock. Nevada's not had a great start to the season so far, but uh, when you look at how Kansas needs to take care of business in this one, what's going to be the most important thing for the Jayhawks to do well and have that positive performance on Saturday night? You know, I've been a coach a lot of my life, and so the the things that pop into my mind is probably what Lance was thinking about when the schedule came out, that, uh, you know, uh, the time difference, starting late, uh, idle time. Uh, I mean, they're not going to be out in Russell, Kansas. I mean, Russell, there's just going to be a lot of things going on in Reno with some idle time and uh, opportunity for, for people – you know, temptations to do whatever. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to occupy these guys so they don't have a lot of empty time and they're going to have adults and a lot of peer tutoring. Uh, you know, there's there's going to be guys looking out to make sure no one gets in trouble and then make sure that you're sound, that you don't fumble the ball, that you're great on special teams. 
and, and look for improvements and ways to get better and and then uh, hopefully we're you know we're going to be healthy a lot of times that's not something we can control but we can control a lot of things Nevada uh, early on has not looked good and, and then overcoming that because these kids see that on tape and uh, we might be looking at some guys that you know that had a couple of guys that missed the first couple of games I know one they're going to get back and then Guys will be improving. Maybe maybe they were nicked the first couple of games. So you worry about that, that, you know, uh, Illinois just grabbed attention from everyone because of all the hype coming in, and that's not going to be as easy for them for this game. So those are all the things you got to guard against. But uh, I mean, so far, Lance Leipold and his staff, I mean, they're, they're on top of everything, uh, and let's just hope that we can come home with a win healthy as possible and uh, get ready for BYU. He's David Lawrence. You can hear him with pregame starting at 8 o'clock, kickoff at 9.30. You can hear that right here on KLWN through the Jayhawk Radio Network. David, I appreciate the time, man. Uh, Safe travels to and back uh, with Reno and everything, and have a good time on the call tomorrow night. All right, Derek. Thanks. It's great to be on with you. All right, that was David Lawrence. Again, you can uh, hear pregame starting at 8 o'clock here on KLWN on Saturday night. Uh, pregame will start at 9 o'clock on our sister station, 105.9 KISS, and then kickoff for both at 9.30 here on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app, as well as at 105.9 KISS, 105.9 KISS.com, and the 105.9 KISS apps. You can stream it as well in addition to uh, listening on the radio to the game on Saturday night as KU takes on Nevada. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We've got our Chiefs-Jaguars preview coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports will join us at 4.30. We've got our game picks coming up later in the hour as well. More KU Nevada talk and uh, plenty more of that coming throughout the show. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We continue on. We're going to have some more KU football conversation coming up in the five o'clock hour as we will uh, have our players to watch and our KU game picks. We're also going to have a uh, little high school football preview coming up in the five o'clock hour. We have our game picks later this hour. Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports is going to join us at 430 to go over uh, some of the interesting game lines from the week and give you some picks including the Kansas game against Nevada and the Kansas State game against Missouri, which, uh, you know, who do you root for there? What do you what do you do there as a Kansas, uh, fan? Well, Kansas State versus Missouri? I'll root for Kansas State. I mean, I think Missouri is the one school you can't do anything for. Yeah, so. because at the end of the day, it's still there. You're from the state of Kansas, right? It's like yeah. you're technically still family, whereas Missouri – that's the there is historical. Nothing, there was yeah. nothing redeemable about Missouri. <laughs> nothing. That's it where the history the comes from. Right? Most terrible, barren place in the world. It sucks. Yeah. I will never ever do anything to root for Missouri ever. In anything. In any circumstance. Yeah. In any context. For me, this is just kind of an avoid game. Whatever happens, happens. But at the end of the day, like if you have to choose one side, yes. Like that's kind of where you go with it. <laughs> Uh, so the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Jacksonville Jaguars on uh, Sunday. Wait, no, that's not what Jaguars make. Jaguars, they don't roar, though, do they? Uh, they I, like, I doubt it. That's okay, a lion. What, what do they do? They they purr. They meow. 
don't know. They don't meow. <laughs> Maybe. I don't they know. They're jungle cats. Dude, they I don't want to. I've never gotten close enough to a jaguar to figure out what they do because the jaguar would kill you. Maybe. Could just be a big cat. You think you could take on a jaguar? You think a jaguar? You think you could take on a jaguar? No. And win? Not if it was trying. But what if I tamed the jaguar? What if the jaguar was? No, I'm saying was a gentle soul. Mono and mono, you no, versus jaguar. Of course not. You don't think you could win? No. Of course not. I was like, do you remember when Arian Foster got in that thing about like I could take a wolf one on one? Like, no, you could not. I don't think people realize how big wolves are. This, wolves I mean, are this large. Is a different conversation. Wolves are big. Yes. Jaguars are not that big. I don't no, think. jaguars are not that big, but it's like. So you think you could take one up? No. Why not? Because it's ferocious and it would bite my face off. <laughs> you know what's wrong? It's not very big dog. If you type in jaguars on Google, I would just think that over the history of time, I mean, the jaguar has been an animal that's been one of the top animals for my money. For hundreds and thousands of years, right? I guess. I don't know. Why don't you type in jaguars, jaguars on Google is the first thing that pops up, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because you're in America. But that's not right. Like Jaguars bet, have established go, a much longer history. I bet you if you go to the UK and Google Jaguars, it would come up with, you know, the car. Well, see, now I, well, I, if I type in Jaguar or Jaguar, as yeah they would say, um, <laughs> as Jaguar. singular, it shows the car. Where is the respect for the actual animal? They have been around this earth for hundreds and thousands of years, I've Nick. never seen anybody cape for anything more than you're caping the for The Jacksonville Jaguars, Jaguars have been around for 25 years. Where's the respect? And what has had a greater impact on humanity? The Jacksonville Jaguars or regular no, Jaguars? regular Jaguars. No, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not even close. Are you serious? Get out of here. You can leave. Like, seriously, leave. <laughs> no, you can leave. Uh, anyway, the Chiefs are playing the Jaguars. It's in Jacksonville. And uh, there have been some notable games for Patrick Mahomes playing against the Jaguars. Uh, you go back to the, I think it was the season opener in, what was it, 2020? Or maybe it was 2019? When uh, Sammy Watkins had like 200 yards. Do you remember that? Just like yes. went off. I think it was that thing. Was Patrick that Mahomes at home? like rolled his ankle. Was that at home? No, it was in Jacksonville. Oh, okay. They played Jacksonville in 2018, I think, at home. I was at that game. Was that the game where... Uh, I don't. I all Blake I know is Bortles they won. Through like an interception off somebody's helmet. I honestly don't remember the game. No, they other won. Then they won. Yeah, it was because it was the year after the Jaguars were really. Here's good. what I remember. I went to the game. I had pretty good seats, mm -hmm. like pretty close to the field. I went to the game. It was sunny. There was no threat of rain. I go to. I'm at the game. I get to my seat like an hour before kickoff, and out of nowhere, it just torrential downpour of rain for like 15 minutes. Soaks everything. Honestly, that was kind of an ugly game. And then the sun came back out. But the whole experience was just ruined because I got torrentially down. I was like, I took a shower before the game kicked off. Yeah, so that was week five of 2018. Chiefs won 30 to 14. Yeah, that was the game that Blake Bortles threw an interception. It was off a very forgettable helmet. game because, like I said, I was there and I don't remember anything. The Chiefs other than got up 23 nothing, and yeah. then the, the Jaguars made it a little closer. It was 30 to 14, the final score. Actually, Patrick Holmes no, had no lost. touchdowns. I think that was the first game he ever had no touchdowns. He had two interceptions. Really? Blake Bortles had 430 yards. He also had four Jeez. interceptions. I will give you fifty points? dollars right now if you can name the Jaguars' leading receiver in that game. <laughs> you have five seconds. Four, mm -hmm. three, two. DJ Shark. One. The correct answer is Dante Moncrief. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow, the pride of Ole Miss. That's unbelievable. So, that, so then you have thing. that one, then you have the Watkins game, then you have last year in the regular season, the Met. that was kind of a ho-hum win for the Chiefs at the time. Yeah. Jaguars weren't very They were very blasting good. the Jaguars, and then yeah. they kind of fell asleep in the second half, and Jacksonville yeah. made it like kind well, of close. Jacksonville had like the fake onside kick at the beginning of the game, and even through like, yeah, the Chiefs like having some but struggles. The, the Chiefs were up like 20 to nothing, I think. I don't remember what the score. I just remember, yeah, it, was, it, it ended up being closer than it, it was twenty it nothing, and then the Chiefs just went into the halftime locker room and never came back out. Yeah, and the game I, got kind of close. Know. I do remember is Kadarius Tony's uh, debut for the mm. the Chiefs last year, and uh, that was a lot higher vibes for the Kadarius Tony. It is right now than it is right now. So hopefully, maybe that kind of gets back to itself. But they ended up winning that one, and then obviously the playoff game. You met them again in Arrowhead, and that was the Patrick Mahomes uh, uh, sprained ankle injury. game. And, and Chad Henney. Chad Henney comes in. End up winning in, the game. One hand goes on a drive, gets the keys yeah. out, goes on a long drive, and helps win the game. Yeah. Honestly. So, I mean, that's a lot of success. That's a lot of wins, but also that's uh, probably too, too many sprained ankles for Patrick Mahomes. And um, this one is very interesting because now it feels like the Jaguars are kind of. They're like, here now. Yes. They, they were the in the process on the door. of arriving, and mm-hmm. it feels like they're they're here. If nothing else, just because their division is so crappy that they're probably going to get to the playoffs and right. win the division easily. Well, like with with the Bills, the Bengals, the Chiefs, like we know those are those are here to stay. The Jaguars are the one knocking at the door to be like, we're in that conversation too. Yes. And a win in this game, certainly nationally for a lot of people, as much as it is only week two of the season, would feel like a arrival for them as, yeah, yeah we're, we're ready to, to take that and, and go to the Super Bowl. They are not going to go to the Super Bowl. I agree. I'm just saying from a national conversation, that's going to be what happens if they win the game. No. If, if the Jaguars beat the Chiefs, people are not going to be saying Jaguars to the Super Bowl. That'll 100% be a conversation. People no, will be I disagree. Having. I don't if they so. win the game. Yes, it will. If, national unless person- they, if they have, No. They have to beat the Chiefs by like 100 for that to be a conversation. I disagree. If they win a close game against the Chiefs, it'll be, okay, this is like a potentially really good playoff team. But not, nobody, I don't think people no, are going to be saying that's the, the measured Bowl. reaction. But what you're what you're failing to remember is that the national reaction is never measured. <laughs> well, the national reaction is stupid. The national reaction for Josh Allen's game on Monday is that he is now no longer a top five quarterback. What I would expect the national reaction to be if the Chiefs lose is that the Chiefs are going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, that you know maybe the Tyreek Hill trade finally caught up to them. That there will be revisionist history on that, don't you think? Like if Tyreek Hill goes off again in Week Two against the Patriots, because it's <laughs> Sunday Night Football, it'll be a primetime game. Tyreek Hill goes off, Chiefs lose to the Jags. It'll be like, yeah, listen, I know they won the Super Bowl last year, but I think they just they got lucky, and it'll be revisionist I history. I don't about care the what trade. anybody says. The Chiefs no, I agree. won the Tyreek Hill trade. I'm just I'm approaching this because from, listen, like, the, the stupid national Tyreek Hill has to slow down at some point. Okay, he can't be Usain Bolt forever. I mean, Deshaun Jackson still, uh, I, I'm convinced somebody could sign him today. Maybe the Chiefs should sign him, and he'll catch one t- deep touchdown like every three weeks. <laughs> now, what, what, did, uh, what did really tick me off about last week was the immediate Chiefs trade for Mike Evans, like, immediately after. Oh, I'm still for like, that. Like, dude. I, no, no, what I'm saying, what annoys me about that is that the conversation with the Chiefs has just become, anytime something, they have a position that's bad, Someone just finds the best player on the worst team that they could find yeah. and be like, Chiefs do this. Chiefs do that. Like, just, dude, just chill, man. Just relax. It's fine. Well, if, if the receivers have another bad game in this one, I guess it won't they, matter. Let's go to that question. Back. It won't matter because Travis Kelsey's back. Yeah, it sounds like Travis Kelsey's going to be back. Chris Jones will be back. We'll see the availability of both, right? It could be snap limits for both players. Um, Steve Spagnuolo spoke very highly of Chris Jones, the shape he was in, though, so. 
maybe that tells you he's going to play high snap count. Do you actually trust the receivers are going to bounce back? In this game specifically or for the rest of the season? Both. I think they will. Okay. When I say bounce back, I mean they just won't suck. Yeah, I don't mean the ball is going to bounce back off of them because they drop it. No, I'm saying like, I think they will bounce back as in I think they will be better. They'll just be like average? Yes. So they won't be great. They will not Which, be great. To be clear, if if your receivers were average against the Lions, you win the game going away. Correct. Yes. And then you, you couple an average receiving core with Mahomes and Kelsey, that equals profit. <laughs> I'm just telling you. That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. I'm not concerned, really, at all. I mean, listen, I'm I'm still we had this conversation last week. I'm still ready to dust off the Kadarius Tony uh was a bad trade take. But not because I, I, my take was that he would just never be healthy, and that's why it would be a bad trade. What I didn't expect was him for just to be bad. <laughs> so, so I was. So I guess is it possible? I guess for it's it to like still be a bad trade, though. You won a Super Bowl with him having that big punt return. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I guess technically I would be half right if he ends up just sure. being bad, because then my take would still be kind of correct, but not totally. Yeah, the track record. If if this current see, receiving core, I think what the issue with that is though is. The Canarius Troni trade is going to be base is going to be judged on the fact that the Chiefs expected him to be a wide receiver one this mm-hmm. year, right? Like if the Chiefs had gone Maybe. out and signed DeAndre Hopkins, or if the Chiefs had gone out and they did have a somebody who was one, number one receiver along with Tony, then I think the Tony trade would be a win. Well, but think- if if the expectation after last season was for him to be the wide receiver one this year, and either and he is either bad and or can't stay healthy. Then suddenly it looks like it was a bad trade because you didn't. Yeah. But if if they had some, if they had a, brought in a, a somebody else to be that main guy, or if they even if they'd like resigned Juju, right? Then yeah, I, think the, I explode, think the Tony so trade can't do that. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, his knees going to explode. But the the point being that I think that that in those scenarios the Tony trade would be viewed much more positively. But if he ends up not being able to be healthy or is just sucks this season, as as, as a guy that you expected as an organization to be your wide receiver one this season. That trade? Yeah. Nah. No, you're right, because the way I view it is Tony is a less healthy, better version of McCole Hardman, which can be fine for an I mean, that's useful. That's very helpful of an offense. But you're right. When you start having that conversation about can that guy be a number one, that's yes. where you run into the trouble. And that's kind of where they're at. Because And then it's like, okay, if, but if he's not the number one or he's not playing well, who is? Like, I don't know. Sky Moore's dropping passes, too. <laughs> MVS is, is just number like a one. deep threat. He's not like MVS you know, is your number one outside of the AFC Championship, where he randomly was the number one and and was good enough to do it. Yeah, um, I don't know, but a big like I said, I'm. Still I don't not, trust they're going to bounce back. I'm still not. Clear. I'm not concerned. I think no, they'll be fine. I don't think. Uh, okay, let me rephrase this. Mm-hmm. With Kelsey, they'll be fine. <laughs> I agree with that. With Kelsey, they'll be fine. I don't expect them to have. I don't, I don't know how many drops it was officially against the Lions. Seven or eight. Nine thousand. Sure, nine thousand. I don't think it'll be nine thousand drops again, but. <laughs> Would I still expect like four or five, three or four? Yeah, I would. Like, I, I don't know that this receiver core is going to be that good. So that is so, a little bit scary. How about this? Mahomes has been, I think, at times praised for his ability to just, he'll, he he will throw it. If you're open, he will throw you the ball. Do you think that that becomes a bit of a kind of a negative for him because he throws his open guys that can't catch? <laughs> what else do you want me to, want him to do? No, I'm not. I don't disagree. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying like, what if that turns into be a bad no, thing? No, that is not ever going to be a bad Kelsey. thing. Just throw it to Kelsey. I don't care if he's double covered, <laughs> triple covered. Mike Whatever. Evans. Catch contested balls. By the way, did you see the the there was like an offshore book that has if T. Higgins does not return to the Bengals, who's the favorite to land him? Chiefs are the favorite. 
Do anything for you? No. It doesn't do anything for me either. I'm because, with you listen, because every receiver ever. I don't ever, care what yeah. anybody outside the Chiefs organization says about, oh, the Chiefs will go get this receiver. They'll go get that receiver. They've shown that no, they won't. Yeah, because how so many times that happened? Keep dreaming. And, and, yeah. Keep daydreaming. Keep counting sheep. Keep counting you know, good receivers and let them watch go by. Because guess what? They ain't going to sign them. They yeah. prove that. Okay, uh, how much do you put faith in the defense? They look good against the Lions. Chris Jones being back for this game. Obviously, the Jags do. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a very good quarterback. Travis Etienne and Tank's big, Tank Bigsby, that's a good little running back duel. Calvin Ridley was awesome in week yeah. one for them against the Colts. Yeah. What do you expect from the defense going into this game? Mm, I don't know, honestly, because you're right. They did look pretty good against the Lions. I saw people saying the Lions are legit. <laughs> the Lions are not legit. The Lions are, no. No, completely missed me with that crap. Wrong. Uh, I I I think the Chiefs will be fine on defense in this particular game. I, I'm not. I don't want to put any expectation on the Chris Jones because I just you know who knows if if he does great, fantastic. If he doesn't play that much, I'm not gonna be like I'm not gonna react one way or the other really with Chris Jones. When you look at the secondary, you would figure that. I would I would hope that you know one of McDuffie or Snead or somebody can slow down Ridley yeah. more than the Colts did, but you know that, this is that a, is one thing the Colts secondary is bad so yeah keep that in mind yeah so I I would hope that they can do a little bit better there I think this game could be a test of KU's packages where Drew Tranquil is uh, or what did I say KU oh sorry the Chiefs <laughs> this could be a test of the Chiefs packages. how much would KU lose to the Jags by. But they keep it close. 50. No, I'm just joking. We didn't need to have that. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, this would be a test of maybe the Chiefs using more packages with Drew Tranquil as the uh, the green the green dot. Maybe. I love that because term, by the way, to describe the linebacker. The green dot with the uh, yeah with the play calls. It just sounds cool. I don't know why. The green dot. Yeah, that's what they. That's what he is. I know. Like, forget being the captain. Green dot. That sounds cool. <laughs> anyway, maybe I. I don't know. So uh, honestly. I'm I'm actually having a hard time gauging the Chiefs' defense expectations in this game. I don't really know because the Jaguars' offense, based off of their first game against the Colts, and when you look at them on paper, you're right. They should be a pretty explosive. Like they probably should be, uh, you know, a pretty high up their offense in the league. So if they gash the Chiefs this week, does that mean the Chiefs' defense is bad, or does that mean the Jaguars' defense is good, or like you know, I, I don't know. I'm having a hard time gauging that. So I'm I'll be curious, very curious to see how that plays out. All right, the Chiefs win if what? The Chiefs win if they don't have any balls bounce off of receivers' hands straight into a defender for a pick six. Okay, that's how the Chiefs win. Uh, I, beyond that, I think if if Travis Kelsey comes back and is fully healthy, that's obviously huge. They'll they'll win there too. Uh, I but I you know what I am expecting? I would put money on this. Hmm. First play of the game, Clyde Edwards-Hiller HB dive. Oh yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, there was a, a lot more Clyde than Pacheco, although Pacheco. Yeah, hey, I don't know really what his health going. status is. Yeah, I don't know if he's still coming back or like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah, for sure. Well, in that game against the Colts, the Jags' defense was pretty good. They only gave up 280 yards. Obviously, it was to a rookie quarterback with Anthony Richardson, who I don't know was a little bit inconsistent in the game. I saw some people being like, Anthony Richardson was so good, and I was like, I don't know, he's fine, which. That's fine. He's a rookie, but whatever. Um, but here's the thing. Colts uh, starting running back, Deion Jackson, which also it's Deion Jackson, but still 13 carries for 14 yards. 
Evan Hole had one for one. So their two primary running backs had 14 carries for 15 yards. Bad. I'll say this. If the Chiefs are able to establish any sort of ground game, they couldn't do it against the Lions, I think they win this game. Okay. And I, and I don't mean they need to have 200 yards rushing or that they should be putting so much emphasis into My- doing this, but... If, if, like, Clyde has 30 yards rushing and Pacheco has 50 yards, I think that's a great sign because that means you're continuing drives. My and, honest reaction yeah. is Chiefs win the game. They're going 16-1. and one. Okay. Well, there we go. At least you uh, got out in front of it now. Uh, we're going to be joined by Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports coming up on the other side to uh, talk about some of the betting lines over the weekend in college football and the NFL. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Past the hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We uh, will talk plenty more KU football coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Right now, we're joined by Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports, who comes on uh, once again to go over some of the betting lines from over the weekend. And uh, Lee, thanks for hopping on again. I hope you're having a good Friday here. The first game that uh, we're going to be talking about, Oklahoma State is giving up 7.5 to South Alabama Cowboys are sitting at, at uh, 2-0 so far, but I don't know. It hasn't looked great so far. Uh, who are you going with in this one? So Oklahoma State's defense last week was fabulous. I mean, they clamped down on freshman quarterback Jaden Rosada. But uh, on offense, they used, it wasn't because of injury. They used three different quarterbacks on offense. They accumulated a total of just 191 passing yards, two touchdowns, but most importantly, no interceptions. They want to play air-free ball, and they use three running backs. And the running game actually started getting clicking in the second half. South Alabama, team with a lot of promise, most handicappers. This is the first week I've never seen more people on South Alabama against Tulane. Didn't work out. But uh, mainly because they turned the ball over five times in the game. They returned nine starters on offense and defense. This is a team that went 10-3 and three and only lost. They should have won the game last year at UCLA, 32-31. But uh, like I said, they laid that egg week one against Tulane. They try to hit on long balls. And I think they're going to hit on a few here. They hit on two or more. They got a shot to win the game. I think Oklahoma State will ultimately win the game 27-24, but I think seven points is uh, too much here. Oklahoma State's going to have a lot of close games. I'll take the seven points here in South Alabama. Oklahoma State 27-24. That's a uh, Big 12 heavy week of picks this week. Texas coming off a big-time victory over Alabama. They're taking on Wyoming, who upset Texas Tech earlier this year. Uh, They're giving up 28.5 here. What do you like on, on this one? So, a couple weeks ago when Wyoming was playing Texas Tech, had a bunch of friends over. One of them says, we're 17 nothing. turn the game off. Let's go to another game. I'm like, no, I'm going to stay with this game a little bit longer. And those kids just fought their heart out and won the game in OT. Here's the problem, though. Their quarterback, Andrew Peasley, is limited. He just doesn't have weapons. He just does not have receivers that are next-level guys. Running back position, they're down to the fourth and fifth string guys. One of the guys' names starter right now is DQ James, and it's not for Dairy Queen. He's 5'7", 165 pounds, not eating a whole lot of dessert, small kid, but he's tough. Jamari Farrell, the backup, is a kid from Saddleback Community College, brought in. He wasn't even running with the first two or three teams in the fall camp and just learning the system. So... 
they're going to be up against trying to move the ball in Texas, and I think their safeties are going to have trouble here. Uh, Florida, Texas, starting to get that passing game going down the field, and both safeties here, Isaac White and Wyatt Weckler, I, I think they're going to be have a tough time here in coverage here. I, I think Texas is the right side. Sometimes if, if you lay it, you got to play it. I'm going to go with uh, Texas here, 48-10. to 10. All right, so Longhorns covering that one. Uh, Oklahoma is coming off their uh, just barely cover against SMU in uh, the game last Saturday after they whomped Arkansas State the week before. They're now giving up 27 against a uh, in-state opponent in Tulsa. So the biggest question for Tulsa is, I mean, <laughs> and this is the first time they've actually met since 2014, Who's going to be the quarterback? I mean, the top two quarterbacks are game-time decision. Braylon Braxton with an ankle injury, Cordell Williams with a hand injury. I was impressed with the improvement of the Sooners' defense last week against SMU, who is a capable opponent, has some weapons at uh, all the skill positions on offense. They should be able to suffocate this Tulsa offense here, and the Tulsa defense not not much better than the offense. OU they start fast, they should be able to blow them out. 52-17, oh, you. The big one from a couple schools uh, along the border here, Kansas State is taking on Missouri. The Wildcats are giving up five points against the Tigers. Which side of this one are you on? Yeah, and the question here is, do you believe Missouri has turned the corner? Because Kansas State already has. Eli Drinkwitz, he was brought in as this great offensive mind from App State. So far in year four, I mean, I haven't seen it. Um, they, you talk about a dink and dunk team. They just all they do is throw underneath. They have a couple decent running backs. Their quarterback Brady Cook. I think he's a game manager. They got one weapon on offense: wide receiver Luther Burden. He also returns kicks, but. Outside of that, they don't scare you. Whereas Kansas State runs football, 375 to 76 rushing edge so far in two games. The matchup at quarterback, Will Howard. Will Howard is a an absolute stud. He can throw the football. He can run. He's an emotional leader. They rotate in three guys at running back, and they use all three uh, to their skill set. And even five different guys have caught touchdowns. So, he spreads the ball around here. They've only lost two games uh, last two years on the road. People think of them as this great home team. They're actually better on the road and even beat LSU in a bowl game here. I just don't think Mizzou's on the level here, Kansas State. Kansas State, 30-20. to 20. There's been some uh, interesting late movement on that line with Kansas State and Missouri. Down to yep. three and a half, depending on where you look. Does the, how does that factor into the situation you have? You know, usually I can tell why. I haven't figured this one out. So, you know, maybe there's something that I don't see. You know, I watch the tape. I'm looking at injuries. I'm looking at weather. I just can't find it. People are betting Missouri. So, uh, like 50, what's what's interesting, 58% of the people are betting Kansas State, but the line's moving the other way. So, maybe I'll get fooled or on this one. I don't see it, but... Uh, Unless Kansas State implodes, two or more turnovers. I think Kansas State's still the right side. We get a little Kansas Jayhawks after dark on Saturday. Late night game, they're giving up 28 points against Nevada in Reno. What are your thoughts on that one? So there's three programs right now in college football that don't want to spend money at all. 
One is Louisiana Monroe, others Hawaii, the third is Nevada. And that's the reason Jay Norvell left. I mean, he just he just couldn't take it anymore. I mean, <laughs> some of the stories I'm hearing about how they had to pinch pennies, uh, they got some real problems. They've had a couple they had a couple kids show up on campus this year in the fall, and they were like, this is not for me at all. So I, I think that, that Kansas here, I liked what I saw a lot. I backed them last Friday. Up thirty-four to seven, should have run away with the game, but you know, just kind of went on cruise control. Um, that you know, you got to learn those things, you know, as as you're getting better and better. But uh, Nevada, I mean, they keep rotating quarterbacks. Uh, Ellsworth used to have the guy from Oklahoma State. He's now the third stringer here. I, I just, I, I don't like the schemes here. They have no skill players, and they're going to have to. I think change the course of the program if they want to save the program. I would not be surprised if this program ends up uh, going down to another level. This keeps up. I'm talking about like on on the level of like Idaho. So uh, I like I like Kansas big here. I think they win this game here, 52 to 14. Okay, and uh, yep. how can people get your free play this week, which uh, involves a big NFL game between a couple big markets? Yep, uh, Cowboys. Uh, laying right now, this line opened at three and a half. Wow! Before the uh, Jets game, moved all the way up to nine and a half, down to eight and a half, nine now. So does Dallas keep rolling, or can the Jets maybe pull the upset like they did on Monday night? So you want to get this game for free? Be one of the first ten callers and. A big weekend. Uh, we rate our selections from 10 to 50 units. We have our first 50-unit baseball selection in the last two months. We're 9-2 and two on our 40 to 50-unit plays there. Rest of the season's 197. If you like UFC, we are on a roll in UFC. Uh, we've won 15 of the last 17 40 to 50 unit plays. We have a 50 unit play that is an underdog going tomorrow night on UFC Fight Night. Uh, five selections, $35, or what we call our Baker's Dozen. 13 games. Normally you have to be a season or a monthly subscriber uh, to hop on board. We're giving you a chance uh, to get all our Saturday and Sunday action. 13 games combined, $97. World's famous Baker's Dozen. Just one place, ParamountSports.com. Well, Lee, I appreciate the time. Have fun watching football all weekend long, and uh, we'll talk to you next Friday. Okay, guys. Take care. Be right, that's Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a time out. We're going to take some of that advice and get to our game picks. Coming up next with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. All right. Time for this week's Game Picks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We'll talk some more KU football coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Nick so far, 5-5 five and five on college football, 2-3 and three last week. I'm 5-5 five and five on college football, 2-3 and three last week. Uh, NFL, Nick was 3-2 and two last week. I was 2-3. and three. Uh, We are, we've done okay on our locks so far. So overall, add everything up. Nick's 10-8. and eight. I'm 9-9 nine and nine so far on uh, football game picks so far this year. All right, we're going to start with college football. First up, team to Kansas just played. Number 7, Penn State is minus 14.5 at Illinois. So, okay. If we want to operate in the exception that Illinois stinks, which I think they might, I'm going with Penn State here. Give me Penn State at home. 
Yeah, this is, but it's in Illinois. Oh, it is. Yes. Oh, okay. My bad. Uh, Penn State on the road <laughs> against Illinois. Uh, I guess my only concern here would be if Illinois has any semblance of pride as a team after a loss, they would probably want to come out and try to bounce back in this game. And maybe they they do cover, but uh, I am a Nittany Lion. Give me Penn State here. It's also stylistically should be a better matchup for them. Like I, I think they're the type of team that struggles with speed and teams who spread it out and everything, which Kansas does. Whereas Penn State's going to be more of that power type team. They'll, they'll still run some spread stuff, but it won't be the same as Kansas. I, I, yeah, I am surprised the line's this low at 14 and a half. Uh, so much so that I'm tempted to lock up Penn State. I'm not going to, but. Uh, lock of the week? I know. I, I don't want to double down. I like picking other games. It's just more fun that way. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so anyway, so, but Penn State, man, they've looked really good to start the year. I like Drew Aller, the quarterback. Not overly impressed from Illinois last week. I will say, if Illinois does keep it close though this week, you're going to be feeling really good about Kansas coming yes. into next week. Yes. Yes, agree with that. But I'm going to take Penn State. Uh, number 15, Kansas State. At Missouri, it is, uh, I guess, should we go with the line that's minus five or should we yeah, go with the so line Yeah, so minus four, minus four, or minus four, minus three and a half, minus five. It's depending on when you got it. When I put this up there, it was at minus four, and I'm going to be taking K-State, so I just want to keep it at minus four. Okay, that's fine. I'll just say that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm going to pick K-State as well. Uh, I think that Missouri is just too conservative to really win this, to really win this game. Eli Jerkwitz had that ridiculous quote about how he's like, Oh, you know, if you punt late in the game, actually, the team has to go further. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Thanks. Dude, what? No. I mean, there's being conservative, and then there's just being idiotic. And that's what Eli Drinkwitz is. So, I'm telling you, it's going to be, like, kind of close late, and Mizzou's going to have, like, a fourth and two inches, and Eli Drinkwitz is going to sprint his punt team out there. He's going to get them out there so fast. Lightning speed. Get out there and punt. And they're going to lose. And K-State's going to cover. Yeah, I think K-State's just a much better team here. Uh, I do not really think... I, the Missouri offense, yeah, not great. Uh, Kansas State, I just think they're a really good team. I, I think this is not enough points. Four points on the road. Give me the Wildcats. Uh, Minnesota is at number 20, North Carolina. A couple 2-0 teams from the Power 5. The Tar Heels are giving up 7.5. Yeah, I, this is the line that I'm a bit confused by. North Carolina was a 19.5-point favorite against App State and needed double overtime App to win State the game. App State just plays them tough for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe App State, because they're in North Carolina, yeah. too, they like they take it as like a That's, big game, yeah, a huge rivalry or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, take that as you will. North Carolina... They also beat South Carolina by 14, though. Yeah, I know. I just... I don't feel good about North Carolina here. I'm going to pick Minnesota. What does concern me, though, is this is on the road for Minnesota. So maybe that favors North Carolina a bit more. But I think North Carolina probably wins. But I'm I'm going to row the boat here. Or no. Row, yeah, the, row the boat. Yeah, row yeah. the boat. Okay, yeah. I'm going to row the boat here and uh, take Minnesota to cover 7.5. I'm going to take Minnesota, too. I don't really feel great about this one either way. I just I feel like it is kind of a close game, and I think yeah. Minnesota is a solid team that can at least you know stay within striking distance here. So I'll take Minnesota plus the seven and a half. Number eight, Washington is minus sixteen and a half. They're playing at Michigan State. I was telling you this off earlier. I have not paid attention to anything Michigan State has done this season other than their head coach being fired. Yeah, that, that was well, great. He was fired, and then he was not fired, but then yeah. he was suspended. That was like under and now it's like. Weird, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I feel bad for Michigan, or I, I shouldn't say I feel bad, but Michigan State, uh, they've obviously now they continue to be clouded in these types of things occurring around, you know, the university as a, yes. as a totality, which is not good. No, it's a yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously there just, are more important things than the football game, but from a football perspective, because that's what we're talking about here, it is a huge distraction. 
Yeah, and I would, I'm assuming he's not going to be on the sidelines or no. He's not. Mike D'Antonio, the former coach, is going to be uh, helping out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that with that all being said, give me Washington here. I'm taking Washington. I think I think Washington's a really good team. I know you're really high on Washington I am. too. So I'm going to pick Washington here to cover the uh, 16 and a half. Yeah, I'm high on Washington as a team, and I think they win this game. But 16 and a half feels like too much for me. So is Washington, this an 11 a.m. game? Uh, no, this is a later in the okay, game. Okay, If it was 11 a.m. game, I might switch my pick okay. because it's Washington going to the East. Yeah. But, no, uh, no, I'm sticking with Washington. Well, okay, so Washington beat Michigan State last year. That was their game that kind of put them on the scene, on the map of being like, oh, this is pretty good. Like, hey, Michael Penix is back, right? Like, now he's at Washington. They're doing good things. Uh, Michigan State will have a little edge from that. I, I do think as much as it's a distraction, uh, maybe from the team perspective, like, there are two ways it can go. When, when you have something that happens to the coach, whether it's something like this or just the coach gets fired or just anything that happens outside of the players, it can either be a problem that it just makes the team fall apart completely or it can be a unifying t- thing for the team where, you know, it's hard for something like this where because of the the nature of it being a sexual assault allegation type of thing or sexual harassment allegation, I should say, um, that it's hard to be like, yeah, let's use that as a chip on our shoulder. Like, that's not cool. Yeah. But from yeah, I know you don't, you don't like that. I don't mean it from that standpoint. I mean it from a standpoint of like the players are like, hey, like, let's take control of this for ourselves. Like, it's never been about the head coach. It's about us, what we're doing, and, and we're going to be unified by that. And I, I just think, you know, Michigan State's got a solid enough team that playing at home, uh, I think they keep it close uh, within the 16 and a half. Okay. Number t- 11, Tennessee is at num- at Florida, and they're giving up six points. Dude, number 11, suck, is at suck. I mean, this is just a suck fest. That's what this game is. I'm not looking forward to this at all. I Joe Milton's overrated. Graham Mertz stinks. So uh, this is just going to be a crappy game, I think. Yeah. I think it's going to be like pretty low scoring probably and pretty close. So I'm going to go with the Gators. I'm going to go with Florida here. Right, so I, we, I don't, we agree on I mean, everything except the Washington-Michigan State game. That's bad. That means we're going to lose a lot probably. Yeah. 0-4 or 0-5 week, 1-4 week, something like that coming in. I am going to go with Florida as well. Tennessee hasn't won in the swamp since 2003. They've had a lot wow. of struggles there. That's actually wild. I know that is, and it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, well, Florida's in the West and Tennessee. No, they in play the every year. Play. No, they play every year. Yeah, yes. exactly. And this uh, is a rivalry. It is a rivalry. Yeah, they haven't won there in in 20 years. Oh, that's a tank. Uh, I, I think Billy Napier really needs this win for Florida. And as bad as they looked against Utah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be kind of a gross game. I think Florida keeps it close and maybe even wins the game. Yeah, I don't know that they're going to win, but I do think it'll be a, a, a close, gross game. Well, and one of the things that I'm steering into this week is that this is a bad week of college football for the games. Yeah. You know what usually happens in those ugly. weeks? The you know what ugly. usually happens when when that happens in college football? It ends up being like awesome. It ends up being awesome and we get a bunch of teams that get upset. <laughs> so I'm going to steer into that. All right, what is your uh, lock of the week? We're both 2-0 in our locks for college football. All right, my lock of the week is Western Michigan mm. on the road against Iowa. Giving up 28 and a half points. Do, do, do people not understand that Iowa can't even score 28 and a half points? This has been your logic I mean, a lot over the past, I don't and know, four months. And it yes, continues it works to work. A lot. Yes. It continues to work every week. So I'm going to continue to go to it. The only way that this loses is if Michigan State throws like four pick sixes. Which could that, happen. That's like, I, 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 no, I know. Very good, I, yeah. I say that like not joking. Like that legitimately could happen. <laughs> okay, that's my concern. My concern here is that Iowa's defense will be so good they'll end up scoring yeah, enough points. They'll get a blocked punt for a touchdown. Yes. They'll get a no, two pick That sixes. is a very, very yeah. real concern here <laughs> because Iowa's offense is not going to score 28 points. Okay? I feel very confident in that. So the, the issue here is going to be can Western Michigan just not screw up enough to where they turn it over like five times and Iowa scores a couple touchdowns defensively? 
But I am very confident here. Lock of the week. Western Michigan plus tw- they're going to lose, you know, like 27 to 3 or you know, 21 to 0 or something like that. Well, I was not going to score 28 points. Western Michigan, the Broncos plus 28 and a half. The Fighting Sky Moors. Bring it home. The Fighting Sky Moors. I love that. I wonder you could actually I will give you this opportunity as soon as I pull it up. Um if you don't want to just take that, you could even just take Iowa's under on their scoring as a team. But doesn't that include the defense? Yeah, that's just how many points they would have. I don't know. But I don't want to do that because I think that their defense will score more. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm I just was saying, looking like, at it could the, be, what the, if it was like 35 points. Well, I was looking at the under for the game. I think I think it's like 42 and a half. It's 42 right now. I like that. The over under for Iowa's points is 34 and a half. Ooh, see, I would actually maybe do that. That's what I'm saying. Do you want that instead? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give me Western Michigan. The Fighting Sky Moors are going to cover, I believe. The over-under for the first half for Iowa is 19 and a half. They see, but again, they get a couple pick sixes in the first right half. There. All right, uh, my lock, I'm, I'm uh, going to go with Western Kentucky plus 29 and a half at Ohio State. I have not been impressed by Ohio State so far. Western Kentucky at least is going to put up some points. Uh, yeah. The quarterback's really good. Reed, uh, they've got one really stud receiver. Actually, the whole receiving core is actually really good. I've been impressed, I will say, with Ohio State's defense. That so does scare me a little bit. I just don't think the Ohio State offense has uh, enough juice there. All right, on to the NFL. Uh, let's start with Kansas City, minus three at Jacksonville. Chiefs. I'm going Jaguars. I uh, I, I don't know. I, I think they're just going to, this game's going to be a lot to them. Everybody uh, is going to be freaking out after the game. Green Bay at I, Atlanta. Everybody. Falcons are giving up one and a half. Everybody, including me. Okay, why is Atlanta favored in this game? Give me the Packers. I agree. but I mean, the Falcons won too, but the Panthers are bad. The Packers, I was really impressed with in week one. Give me the Packers on the road. Baltimore is at Cincinnati. The Bengals are giving up three points. Uh, I'll take Baltimore here. I I, I desperately want to see Cincinnati start 0-2 and everyone just melt down. So I want that very, very badly. Uh, so give me the Ravens. Baltimore nearly beat Cincinnati in Cincinnati in that playoff With game. Now whoever Lamar the hell Jackson's was that? Quarter, who, uh, who was that? Uh, what was his name? Pro Bowler Tyler Huntley. Baby. Oh right, Pro Bowler Pro Tyler Bowler, Huntley. Yeah. How could I possibly forget Pro That's Bowler? Right. Tyler Hunt. Um, but Joe Burrow just did not look right in week one. I think he's still dealing with that injury, and uh, this is not a fun defense to play against when you're injured. San Francisco, minus 7.5 at the LA Rams. Yeah, it's it's 7.5 or 7, depending on where you might get it right now. If it's 7, which I'm going to go I know you have 7.5 down here. I'm going to pick the Niners. 7.5 okay. worries me a little I'll bit. I'll give you the 7. But I'm going to take, on take the Niners here. Uh, I I don't know. I'm, I'm not buying the Rams blowing out or having a good game against Seattle last week. I think I think San Francisco wins pretty easily. Okay. I am taking the Rams plus 7.5. Now, I will say uh, the Niners have been the thorn in the side of the Rams, but I, I just think this is a closer game than that. I, I think the Rams are a good enough team that they could be a playoff team this year. Uh, and then Sunday Night Football is Miami minus 3 at New England. This, is a, this was a tough pick for me. I'm going to go with New England. This just feels like a Bell Belichick, I'm still here type game. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. So I'm Everybody's going, talking about Miami yep. after the offense yep. against yep. the Chargers. I'm going with the Patriots. And then the Patriots defense comes in and wins the game. I agree. Give me the Patriots plus the points. Your Both of us went 0-1 in our NFL locks in week one. So uh, see if we can pick it up this week. What is your NFL lock? Yeah, I'm going to very stupidly go back to my logic I used last week, even though it lost. The Giants. Mm. Minus four and a half against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm just going to keep going against the Cardinals. I don't think they're good. I don't think they're going to cover, but I, I don't know, man. Maybe the Cardinals are just a bad covering machine, a bad team that's a covering machine. I don't know. 
I'm going to go with the New York Jets plus nine I hate this against the Dallas Cowboys. I hate this pick. Why do you hate it? I, I just do. I don't like it. I think then the Cowboys why did you lock up the Cowboys? Could, up. could have do it a lock duel. No, I didn't want to do that. Why? Because I don't want to root against your lock. Okay. Well, that's nice of you. I just think that the everybody thinks that Dallas is going to blow out another New York team after the Giants game. I can see this being an ugly game. Jets do have a great defense. I can see the Cowboys winning like 17 to 10. Okay. You cover the nine points. Yeah. No, that's fair. All right, he is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. We got some more KU football talk coming up next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And we get ready for the KU Nevada game tomorrow night. That game will uh, start at 9.30 p.m. Pre-game will start at 8 o'clock with the Crimson and Blue Show right here on your original home for the Hawks with KLWN. You can also hear the game at 9.30 over on our sister station, 105.9 KISS. We do have some uh, football coming at you tonight. High school football. Lawrence High going to be playing Shawnee Mission East at home. That'll be at 7 o'clock, pregame 6.45, right here on KLWN, klwn.com, the KLWN app. I'll be on the call of that with Matt Llewellyn. Meanwhile, Nick Springer is going to be on the call of you. Oh. Wait, me? With Craig Hershiser of the Free State High School football game. Oh, nice. Playing uh, Aletha East, right? Sweet. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Cool. And that'll be at 7. Pre-game will start at 6.50. Uh, it'll not only be available on 92.9 The Bowl, but also on our video stream, which is on klwn.com or yes. the Great Plains Media YouTube page. Yeah, I do want to clarify that the game on radio can be heard on 92.9 The Bowl, but our video stream will be on klwn.com yes. if you're looking for that. Or the on, video or stream. On YouTube. We'll have the uh, radio call on it yes. with you guys, so yep. tune into that. Yep. Okay, uh, we're going to get to some more KU Nevada talk, get to our KU game picks here in a second. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KLWN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KLWN. The crown is is yours. You can uh, bet on the KU action. The team total for KU is 43 and a half. Team total for Nevada is 14 and a half. Or if you've got a uh, uh, $500 lying around, you could win $10 by uh, betting on Kansas money line if it comes back and wins. Yeah, nice. Probably wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and po- deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. So KU takes on Nevada. Uh, let's get to our players to watch for the game. Let's start with the KU offense. Who okay. do you have as a player to watch for the KU offense? My player to watch is Mason Fairchild. Uh, I don't remember who... I, somebody asked this question to Andy Kolnick. More like Mason Unfairchild with what he's about to do to the Nevada defense, am I right? <laughs> you're, you're, you're paused. I'm pausing you. Pause. Okay. I don't remember who asked this question at the uh, Mediaville this week with, with, of Andy Kolnick, but I, it was actually a great point that was brought up, is that Mason Fairchild has really been pretty quiet to start this season. I mean, this is a guy that, it, you know, 
depending on who you ask, could be uh, you know a second-day draft pick, possibly, in the NFL draft. I mean, a lot of people are really, really excited about him. He obviously had a great season last year, and depending on how well he performs this season, he has a chance to go down as the top tight end in KU history when it comes to receptions, receiving yards, things like that. Uh, he's been pretty quiet. And the question was brought up to Andy Kulnicki of, hey, are defenses doing things differently against him? Are they guarding him differently to kind of take him away from games? And Andy Kulnicki gave kind of a, a generic answer of, oh, you know, you throw to the guy who's open, whatever, you design plays, you know, whatever, yada, yada, yada. But with that, now that that was brought, now that that was kind of brought up, I am curious, is Mason Fairchild played differently in this game by Nevada? Do they do things, something to try to eliminate him from the game? Or, and does KU drop some plays to maybe try to get the ball to Mason Fairchild? So he, he's the guy I'm keeping an eye on tonight because he's been kind of quiet the first two games. I'm keeping an eye on Mason Fairchild, what he does tonight. Or what he does Saturday tomorrow. Night. Yeah, Saturday I know it's weird. Tomorrow. We we actually don't, don't have a Friday exactly. Night game. What's the up past with that? two weeks, it's been <laughs> oh yeah, tonight, to oh this game tonight, yeah. oh whatever tonight. Now I got to wait a whole extra day mm-hmm. plus like nine hours because yeah, I'm playing like on the a West whole Coast. Two extra days, honestly, with how late the game is. Eliminate time zone. I am happy the game is on Saturday. I will say that. Just make everything Central Time. But yeah, okay. uh, it, it's oh gosh, it's so late. So yeah, the closer Mason we get to it, the more I'm like, I can't believe I have to stay up that late. Which I feel so old saying that, but it's true. Uh, if anybody's like a night owl or younger than me, they're probably like, you're just a grouchy old man. And yes, I probably am. Yeah, you are a grouchy um, old man. Really. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, so my offensive player to watch for KU in this one is... I, see, okay, it, it's hard in a game like this where you're favored by 28 points where you don't know how much the starters are going to play if all goes well. True. If all doesn't yeah. go well, then the starters will stay in there, obviously. Yeah, good point, yeah. Great analysis. <laughs> Thank you. My point there is saying, like, like I would easily pick Devin Neal and be like, I think he could have a huge game in this one. But what if he only gets eight carries? Yeah. What if he stays in there only for the first two quarters of the game? And then it's like, hey, we're going to rest be. him up. We're up, you know, 24 points or 28 points or something like that. Could be. And so to that reason, too, I want to take Daniel Hysha. I mentioned earlier that the Nevada defensive line is is not very good. And their uh, defense has certainly struggled so far this season. Um, And because of that, like, I, I think the KU could have a big game there. But it's like it's hard for me to say, well, this guy's going to be in for this amount of time or, or that guy's going to be in for, for this amount of time. I'm going to go with uh, Lawrence Arnold, though. The, the Nevada secondary is not very good. They're, two, uh, they're, they're, they're three corners, I guess, if you count their slot corner. They play kind of a uh, 4-2-5 in, in that multiple defense. Here are their pro football focus ratings from the corners. 49-54-58.5. KU's receivers should be able to win a lot in this yep. game. They should be able to win some downfield. To your same logic about Mason Fairchild, he hasn't caught a touchdown yet. Lawrence Arnold hasn't caught a touchdown either. He's been KU's leading receiver. He just hasn't gotten a touchdown. Maybe there'll be an emphasis on getting him the ball in the red zone or, or him getting that touchdown. I could see Lawrence Arnold having a big first half. And then maybe if I'm looking at the second half from that standpoint of if all is going well, you're looking at somebody else to uh, kind of take over the reins in the second half and, and be that guy. What if this is like a Dylan McDuffie, Savion Morrison game yeah. in the second half? Yeah. Your guy. My guy. My I mean, boy, this, this is the time to to bet him. I, yes. I haven't seen any player. Well, I know. I no, I should have bet him in the Missouri State game. Yeah, you should have to score a touchdown. But then in the second game, it was like plus one twenty five. The odds weren't there. I'll be interested to see where the odds are on the backup running backs with McDuffie and Morrison. Um, I'd imagine the player props will be out at some point tomorrow morning. Not up yet on DraftKings. I will be very interested in both of those if one of them is you know above 200, 250, somewhere in that range because I do think there's going to be a lot of work for both those guys off the bench. Yeah, I thought about going through receiver also. Mm-hmm. The question is, is like, you know, I could as I could just as easily see Lawrence Arnold having a big game as I could Quentin Skinner 
getting behind the defense and yeah. having a couple deep touchdowns or something like that, right? So I just I didn't want to go with one of those guys. I decided to go with uh, Mace Fetchhoff. Well, again, uh, Nevada, this stat I will repeat I mean, it as many bad. times as possible. They're giving up 14 yards per pass. Patrick, yeah, they're just they're just bad all around. Well, I, I should look at what Patrick Mahomes for his uh, career at Texas Tech because the, the Texas Tech numbers obviously are going to be even more ridiculous in terms of like the yards per pass than they are in the NFL just because the NFL is harder. Patrick Mahomes' best season at Texas Tech, he averaged 9.2 yards per attempt. Nevada is giving up 14 yards per pass attempt. So bad. I guess you don't get there without giving up a bunch of deep balls, right? Yeah. And to your point, Quentin Skinner. Maybe Quentin maybe Skinner. that is uh, yeah. one that, that we. We should be mentioning, and I guess we have now. Uh, do you want to pick an offensive player to watch for Nevada? Is it even worth conversation? <laughs> uh, that receiver that you mentioned, Jamal Bell. Yeah, sixteen catches, one eighty-eight. He's their best player, sure. right? Because oh, I, I would they say play so. two quarterbacks. They're, yeah, they average AJ Bianco. They average negative three point eight yards per carry on the. No, they don't. They average like it's what two point seven, basically negative. Uh, so I don't want to go with anybody in the running back room. Uh, I'll just go with yeah, their receiver that that uh, is their best player, Jamal Bell. Yeah. He's a, he's a good player. He's uh, quick with the ball in his hands. Somebody KO will have to wrap up. And and I think that's a good pick, too, because Kobe Bryant's going to be out for the first half with the targeting call. Um, so I think that is kind of a good one there. Um, he grades out pretty well in pro football focus, too. He's more of a slot guy, though. So who, who's Kalen that mean Gervin? that KU is going to – I don't know. Kalen Gervin's well, the he's on the outside. With, with, yeah, uh, on the outside. Does that mean Quentin Lassiter? Does yeah. that mean Demarius McGee? Does that mean Craig Young is going to pick him up some in the slot, right? Uh, that becomes interesting there for for KU's side of things. Honestly, like if I'm looking at the Pro Football Focus numbers, player to watch for the Nevada offense this is not a sexy one to pick. It's their center. Their center's good. He, uh, 34th of uh, all 254 qualified centers. Wow, in the country they have a good center. Rest of the offensive line, meh. 51, 54, 49, 46. That's not great, but at center they got a good player there. So uh, those are the offensive players to watch for them. And uh, you know it's bad if I have to pick a center. It just is. I, no offense to the set. It's just not of the other team. No, I get it. Like, if I'm picking that for KU, it's one thing, because everybody knows Mike Nowitzki. But if I'm picking the center for the other team, it's like yeah. you're not going to be watching the other team's center. Probably not. You might watch some Mike Nowitzki, but you're not going to be watching the other. Anyway. Uh, okay, what about the, the defense side of the ball? Who is the KU defensive player to watch for you? On defense, I, I think I'm going to be watching Melo Dotson, because no Kobe Bryant for the first half, like you mentioned. That means Melo Dotson's going to be more in the spotlight, and he's the guy that gets has been getting a lot of buzz, especially from like NFL scouts with his length and whatnot. And uh, you know, if he comes along, then you have two legit corners on the outside. This is a game where he's going to have a chance to be the number one guy, you know, for a half. I want to see what that's like. I'm going to watch Melo Dotson. And by the way, Melo Dotson's been really good. He obviously had the interception against Illinois. Um, so far through the first two games. Melo Dotson has been targeted five times. He's given up three catches, 36 yards. Uh, there was one play that was a 27-yarder. That was against Missouri State. Um, but that means that he's given up basically an average of seven yards per attempt when it comes his way, and he has an interception, too. The passer rating against Melo Dotson, the NFL passer rating so far, is 42.5. That's very good. Pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Kobe Bryant is like, teams are not targeting him. Nope. Which is... They are not. I mean, makes sense. He's been targeted five times, too. Um, he has given up 15 yards on five targets. How about that? And he has an interception. So combined, yeah. Kobe Bryant and Melo Dotson have been targeted 10 times through two games. They've given up 51 yards and have two interceptions. That's pretty That'll good. That'll play. Yeah, that will play. Uh, so that's a good pick for you there. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, 
I, I guess Hayden Hatcher and Jeremy Robinson are the starting defensive ends. So it's not like Austin Booker being out the first half is like, oh, you have a different player filling in your starting role. But that does mean more snaps are there to go around for somebody else. How about Dylan Brooks? You know, when you look at the uh, Nevada offensive line, the two tackles struggle. I mentioned left tackle grades out at a 51 on Pro Football Focus. The right tackle is a 46. There's going to be opportunities for the, the defensive linemen. I think this is a game we're coming off the bench the same way Austin Booker has come off the bench and made a good pass rusher for you. Dylan Brooks could do that. Uh, maybe Patrick Joyner. I expect good games for the starters, too, with Hayden Hatcher and Jeremy Robinson. Really, any of the defensive ends, to be completely honest. But yeah. uh, let's see a breakout game with more reps for, for a guy like Dylan Brooks. I think that'd be cool to see in a game like this for KU. Uh, do you want to pick a Nevada defensive player to watch? Uh, so you said their D-line's pretty bad. But uh, in their game against Nevada, two of their top three players— or Idaho, are, you mean? Or Idaho. Yeah, the game against Nevada. The game against Idaho, two of their top three players were— Great on pro football focus with their linebackers. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe their position of strength. Do you I want guess, to try pronouncing defense? one of them? Yeah, Micah Lilo? Lilo? Which one are you looking at? Are you looking at him? Or are you looking at, because the other guy's easy. Uh, we got Watts. I see at one spot. We got uh, Mate Ialaona. Oh, yeah. No, Tungiaki. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that guy. I saw that guy. Uh, you know, they got a guy named Steve Combs. That's a little easier. But, no, I'm looking at, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe linebacking, maybe linebacking course their strength, their position of strength. I don't know. I don't, I don't really have much for you here, to be honest. Well, Nevada does have four sacks. Yeah, I think it is about the linebackers. I will go with Tonkiaki Mate-Ialona. I don't know. Maybe I didn't see him. He wasn't graded stuff. as well. The, the guys that I was looking at that were graded well didn't have as many snaps. Yeah, that's probably the problem. Well, uh Tongiaki has 10 tackles. That's second on the team only to Richard Tony, which is a DB. So that shows you that a lot of balls are getting to the back end. Uh, but Tongiaki has a sack as well. He has a forced fumble. He's one of their better defensive players. He's one of their starting linebackers. So he's the defensive player for Nevada to watch for me. And then uh, who is your X factor for KU? Mm, this doesn't have to be a player, does it? it no, this can be a, a thing. It can be a non-tangible thing. It can be a coach. It can be anything you want. Uh... X Factor. A good night's sleep. That could be the X Factor. On Friday night so that they can sleep in well and be up and awake for late into the Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know. Mm, I mean, I think the X Factor is just them being themselves. Right. Like not overlooking like, your opponent. That's not really an X Factor, but I no, guess I'll, it I'll give is, it to you. Yeah. Don't overlook yeah. your opponent. Yeah. Be yourself. Yes. Yeah. Be yourself. Normal focus like you would in, in any other game. And if that happens, you're going to be fine. Where you run into problems is if you have turnovers, if you uh, play out of your element, you get too high on your horse after the Illinois game, or you're overlooking your opponent, or uh, some of those external factors. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, can be a good X factor in this one. Um, I'm going to go with KU just picking up blitzes. As my X factor here, we heard from Andy Kotelnik. He played that audio again for you earlier here on on today's show about him talking about how it's a multiple defense for Nevada. They're going to run different fronts. Maybe you'll see some three-man fronts, maybe some four-man fronts, two linebackers, three linebackers, a bunch of DBs. They're going to line up all over the field, try to confuse you a little bit. And in addition to that, not only are they going to try to confuse you, but they're going to send a decent amount of pressures and and blitzes your way. Um, And because of that, it puts... I don't know, pressure might not be the right word, but it puts a certain onus on the offensive line and Jalen Daniels to handle blitzes, right? So that means from Jalen Daniels or Jason Mean or whoever the quarterback is, it means from their perspective, 
You have to be able to understand when the blitz is coming, where the free rusher is coming, where's my hot route, do I need to get the ball out quickly, where do I throw it, one of those two things. Um, And also avoiding the pressure, right? Can you scramble away from the one free blitzer that gives you more time and now you have more time to to launch it downfield? And those are things that I trust Jalen Daniels to do. Um, Also the offensive line, which again, you feel great about because Dominic Pooney has been great at left tackle and Kobe Baines has been really good and Bryce Cable has been really good. Mike Davitsky a multi-time all Big 12 type of player and and is very experienced. So is Michael Ford on the interior of that offensive line and and Armaj Reed Adams is is big dog and you're going to be able to... Wait, uh, who's big dog? Armaj Reed Adams, baby. Oh, I thought that was you. And you're going to be able to to have those experienced linemen with Mike Davitsky who's very experienced in the middle pointing out the blitzers. I feel like Kansas is adept and in a good position to handle it, but that will be the big question to me because as much as Illinois had a good pass rush and had a good defense, I don't know, yeah, solid defense, um, Illinois didn't bring a ton of pressure. They mostly try yeah. to get get sacks with just their front four, which they can yeah, with because the they firm. have guys, right? With the dun, law dun, firm. Dun. In Missouri State, I don't remember how much they blitzed, to be honest, but I don't know that it mattered that much because it's an FCS opponent. Maybe this gets chalked up in the same way because Nevada can kind of play like an FCS opponent to certain levels here. Uh, but I think it's a, a challenge that Kansas hasn't necessarily had to face this year that even though there will be teams you play tougher like Oklahoma who will send blitzes at you that are with more talented players and are probably more well thought out, it does at least give you a challenge this early in the season for dealing with that that I think can help give you practice and prepare you for uh, that stuff later in the season. Uh, let's get to our uh, KU game picks. You are 3-1. and one, I am 1-3. and three. Wait, say that again? You are 3-1. and one, I am 1-3. and three. Congratulations. Oh, wow. So you suck and I don't? Wow, cool. Yeah. Uh, Kansas minus 28 on DraftKings. Again, use code KLWN if you're signing up. Who do you like? I'll take Kansas here. I think, I think they can cover that. I think it can be, you know a 49 to 10, 52 to 10 type game. I think they can cover. I'm taking Kansas. I'm taking Kansas as well. I I don't think Nevada's very good. Um <laughs> I think like I don't think it's that unreasonable that Nevada might be very close to what Missouri State is. And yes, you could say, "Oh, but you 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 covered 31 against Missouri State and that was at home and this time it's on the road." So why would it be 28? I think... You give up a short field for one of those touchdowns. Exactly. And the way I view it, I I think Kansas was more than 31 points better than Missouri State because of what happened on that fumble. Now, who's to say you don't have turnovers in this game? Of course, that could happen. Yeah. Um, But also, Nevada, there's a chance that after losing by 27 points to Idaho, 33 They might just fold. Exactly. They might just fold. If you get up 17-0... Maybe yeah. maybe they'll be hyped up for the start because you're playing a Power 5 team at home and everything. But yeah, you start down 17-0... Fold. Exactly. So, for that reason, I'm going with Kansas. And the way I view it, I think Kansas has good enough backups to keep extending the score. Like, you look at the offense, if you're throwing Jason Bean with the second unit with Dylan McDuffie, like, those guys are good enough. Doug Emelian, uh, Tanaka Scott, Trevor Wilson, like, those guys are good enough to still put up points, even if you're up big, and to score more points as the game goes on, especially because Nevada struggles stopping the run. 6.3 yards allowed per carry. You could just be trying to ice the game and still be getting 6, 7 yards a pop and score a late touchdown. Yep. Over-under is 58.5. This is tough because I think tough. that's a really good number, honestly. Because I feel like this game could easily be 49 7, 52 7, mm-hmm. which that puts you right very close to that number. Uh, I'm going to go over here. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to go over. I mean, I think it's possible maybe maybe you're up 49 to 7 and it's a late touchdown from Nevada, which that would put you over, uh, you know, or something like that. So I, I'm going over here. I don't feel fantastic about it. But uh, give me the over. 
I think the least amount of points the KU has given up in the Lance Leipold era is 11 to Iowa State. That sounds right. Um, the the team total. Wait, for no, Nevada they gave up at, ten to South Dakota. I think. Right? Didn't they win fourteen to ten? Oh, was that what the score was? I thought it was like seventeen fourteen. Maybe it was seventeen on fourteen. Fourteen and a half is the over under for Nevada. Let's just say they get fourteen. That means Kansas would have to hit the over hit at least forty five. I think they do that. They're scoring forty one a game, and that includes the Illinois game, right? Yeah. They put up forty eight against Missouri State. Could have been probably more than that. They didn't have a ton of plays in the first half. I could very much see that because this is the type of offense where you would feel like they're probably going to have a fifty point game this year, right? This one would be a logical conclusion for that game. Yep. So I can see them put up 50, and if they do put up 50, it's hard not to get the over. So I'll take the over. Um, no prop bets are up yet. I'll just say this. I like Kansas in the first half, minus 14 and a half, just for what it's worth. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout, talk some more high school football. We'll have our uh, RCST replay later this hour with David Lawrence. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.